0: What was I saying? So, crazy story. So, I love it that you're here because one of the reasons I started doing an in-house, and competition in-house is when we went to Liberty when I met you there. That is
1: so flattering. That and I, is wild.
0: Yeah, and I remember you sit, You were sitting on the table, and you guys were hustling and making this thing run, and I do never forget that image of, like, this is awesome. Like, this is what I want to do. So, big inspiration. It's been a, a long time. I was time, actually,
2: side note, I was actually at that meet. I remember that you guys have a PR Like gong, gong. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, like all hail to the East Asian culture. Mm -hmm. You
1: got a PR gong at the gym, like maybe the only gym that has one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was, that was, that was, that was 2014,
0: yeah, 2013.
1: I see people wearing LBC shirts everywhere I go, every event that I've been to, every national competition Mm -hmm. I've been to. And it's like, it's really incredible. It's such a small niche community, Mm -hmm. but the reach is so Mm -hmm. big. I love
0: it. It's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. But I just wanted a little side story that, yeah, that's, You know the fact that you're here it's really really cool i'm happy to be here so kim is going to lead us yes i just leave it up to her Uh, yeah i know (laughs) she's yes i like the word
2: mastermind but you know i'll take i'll take brains hey guys welcome to off the platform i'm kim i am blanco and today we have a special guest morgan And we're having uh, actually a live recording session at our local meet uh, called Kilos Giving. And we invited Morgan to come and lift at our meet and also to join us on our show. Yeah, so.
1: I'm happy to be here. I feel like is am I wrong but it's pretty atypical to like record a podcast and then go lift on a platform.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we're going to talk well, about all of
2: the things that scare me I and then swear. go do Which the thing. Which is incredible
0: <laughs> because that's why you are here. That's
2: also, <laughs> I just lifted and yeah. I'm recording podcasts. podcast, yeah. so that's also it's a a pretty, beautiful pretty trifecta yeah. before and after. <laughs>
0: and I just I just had an athlete have to Pull out of a meet because yes. Yes. they were injured, and it's having to deal with all of those fears yes. and anxieties. So but it's actually right. perfect. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's perfect. It's
2: it's right uh, scalpel to the vulnerability that we love to talk we about. We love to do that. <laughs> we love to dig deep. So before we get too deep into it, I kind of wanted to give everyone like a little bit of your resume because people might not know you and they might not know your experience. And so it would be really cool to just kind of give a rundown of like who you are and like you know. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So my name is Morgan Vaz, um,
1: last name Vazabule. You can just call me Morgan Vaz. Um, I am a owner and director of programming at Liberty Barbell Club, which is a barbell club in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Philly proper. Um, and we've been a club for eight, maybe nine years. Well, yeah. And um, in addition to that, I am a nationally active athlete. Um, I feel like everybody can be nationally competitive because we're all ranked <laughs> yeah, in the nation. Right. So um, I try to hit up like three national events a year in addition to coaching. Um, and that's really
2: my life. And you also just won uh, gold across the board, right? I at AO3. AO3.
1: That yeah. was In amazing. the 64 mm-hmm. kilo weight class mm-hmm. yeah,
2: yeah, I compete
1: mostly as the 64. Today I'll be a 71, just a tune-up meet. Um, but 64 is my jam now. And, um, you, you've been a lot of
2: other weight classes, right?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, before the change, I was fluctuating between, uh, what was it? 69 and 75. I can't remember what the old ones were. Yeah. When I first started, the important part was never about what do you weigh? Mm -hmm. And then it's the better that you get. Then your coach starts to make little tweaks to your competitive journey which is like maybe you would be a good 69 maybe you'd be a better 75 so yeah I really do feel like I've run the gamut I've been a 63 a 69 and now I'm pretty consistently 64.
2: Depending on the athlete but I think it's more typical to go up rather than down Mm -hmm. so what what sparked that for you? Um, That's a really good question I think that I'm
1: Just in between the new weight classes, the change that bummed out a lot of people actually worked out perfectly for me. I walk around at 66. Okay. So to cut to 63 was really difficult. Mm -hmm. And 64, honestly, just that one extra kilo made it that much more attainable. Not super stressful. Um, I mean, I could cut two kilos in three weeks, two
2: weeks casually. So Mm. it's a really easy decision for me to make. Yeah, And that also changed uh, basically how competitive you were, right? Because you became more competitive. Yeah, like actually (laughs) really good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um,
1: Yeah. And I think that like. Did that surprise you? For sure. I mean, any time that I have to say I'm good out loud, I feel really surprised <laughs> yeah. and like happy to hear myself <laughs> totally. say that. I think I just really trust my coach and allow him to make the calls. And after a year of being a 64, the proof is just on the paper that that's where I belong right now for sure, for yeah. Sure. How long have you been lifting? I mean, I started CrossFit in, like, 2013, okay. so since then, competitively probably since 20, I remember after we went to regionals, I was done with CrossFit, so probably since 2015, um, four, almost five years. Okay, better,
2: Yeah. Better. That's cool. That's around
1: yeah. the
0: same
2: time amount of
1: time you guys have been on each other, right? Yeah, As well. pretty much, yeah. I guess so, yeah. It's interesting to say that number, you know, there's, like, almost a little bit of to be totally honest shame mm. in saying oh, I've been lifting for five
2: years and this is what I have to show for it and Dude, then there's people I like 100% feel yeah. you because I've been lifting for five years and it is like a w- super weird thing to say it's like mm-hmm. the, in this sport I think it's often it's, and it's, it's pretty glamorous to be like oh like I've been lifting like one or two years with like zero lifting experience mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. look how far I've come mm-hmm. and I'm not saying there's nothing against those piece, people that's really mm-hmm. awesome but it's like a weird thing to be yeah, like, like yeah Catherine Nye she's yeah. like
1: oh I've been lifting for two years
2: and, and I'm like you're a fucking Olympian yeah,
1: yeah. it's not yeah. even possible yeah.
2: right but yeah. as, as we as we all know there's way more behind that iceberg which is hey like gymnastics hey other experience hey all of that training right which is more often than not the case, to be honest. Yeah. And
1: also the fact that she went up like three weight classes, like that Mm -hmm. mass just like mass moves mass. And that's been really Mm -hmm. helpful for her.
2: So I wanted to get into kind of like the first thing is like, talk to me about your sense of identity because you hold a lot of hats. You know, you're a barbell owner, Mm -hmm. you're an athlete and you're a coach. And like, how do you manage all that? Especially I think being an athlete Mm -hmm. requires so much attention and, yeah. and, and, like, self-involvement, almost. I mean, I'm not very good at it, to be, like, <laughs> totally <laughs> honest. Yeah, yeah. No, that's <laughs> I that's
1: mean, what this show's about. Blanco, I don't yeah. know, what's your weightlifting background like? My
0: weightlifting background, I was never an Olympic weightlifter. Really? I have none, zero. I... Uh, I remember I was introduced to the lifts when I was in high school at some point. I think I tried out for football, and I was taught how to do a power clean. Oh, God. But um, (laughs) my whole element of getting into weightlifting was because I really enjoy the process of teaching. And I had a really good mentor and coach who was just a fanatic about you know executing movements and really understanding how people move and how they get them to move better. And for some reason, I don't know why, um, weightlifting just made thing. sense yeah. it just made sense to me and it was measurable and it, it there was a way of me creating a process to it and a practice and so just fell in love with it um, and I really just use it as a mechanism to teach kids or people like if you have this giant task in front of you if you break it up into these small attainable pieces you're gonna get to the end game mm-hmm. And for me, that just makes sense. Yeah, so I think you like evolved
2: from the instructor being yes. like that was yes. your jam from, from the very jam. beginning. But I think to tie into that is also the background of you were an opera singer. Mm-hmm. And so you're used to technical development and the minutia and like the just the kind of just overwhelming technical process yeah. of developing. Mm-hmm. And I think that really ties into who you are as a coach. Yeah. I had no idea <laughs> I, <laughs> I know most, so many follow most, most people was, don't <laughs> so yeah, I most feel like I that, need to tie this true. in because yeah, 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 yeah. the world needs to know yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: that is definitely something pull that pulls because
2: I think that's the thing about people who stay in the sport it's like they need to get used to the technical garbage. The monotony. The, the monotony. monotony yes. And that's exactly totally. what
0: people don't understand. There's <laughs> yeah. totally. yeah. a lot of boring work that needs yes. to be done. Yeah.
1: I feel like, and I wonder for most coaches, like if you had an athletic background or um, your own goals, at what point did you start to transition into prioritizing your athletes' goals? For me, I'm not there. And mm-hmm. you know, there's only so much mental energy that mm-hmm. you can offer coaching and making somebody's dreams come true and taking them to AO finals or nationals Uh, and I have to be really selfish and reserve that mental energy for myself and so my coach and I talk about this now Um, I've known him for as long as I've been lifting and he says there will come a point where you start to choose your athletes over yourself. And I'm very much not at that point, which honestly makes me feel really guilty leading a barbell club and leading a team, knowing that if it came down to it, I choose my process over theirs. Yeah. But, but that's, that's a really valuable reality. thing to
0: have any athlete that I work with you have to be selfish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have to be yeah. looking out for your mm-hmm. well-being and, and, and your performance is mm-hmm. is going to suffer. If yeah, you I mean,
1: because you, it's a very small timeline that we have to take mm-hmm. advantage of our athletic prowess and development. And like right now, I got to ride that wave for as long as I totally. have it. Yeah. I don't know when it's going to end. Totally. Yeah. Do you
2: feel more pressure because you're a little bit older than a lot of people? You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. how old are you? You're 32. 32, 32. yeah. I'm 32 yeah. as well. And it's like, You know how brief your timeline is, especially now that you just, you dropped a weight class and you've become even more competitive. Mm -hmm. So it's like all of a sudden you see, you know, you see the the horizon. It's like, oh, the time is pretty limited. And I've just, I've just figured out where I'm supposed to be. Mm -hmm. You know, know, I feel like just past 30
1: is a really scary place to be because... I remember thinking about 30s when I was like 15, 16. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so old to my 16-year-old self. Um, For sure. I mean, we're always just racing against a ticking clock, whether it's like you're a weightlifter or you're not. Thankfully, I can say that um, my wife and I both know that we're not going to have kids. So I at least don't have that, like, societal pressure to have a baby before 40 Mm. or start taking, like, all these prenatal supplements and start thinking about my family, which is a huge factor for a lot of females in weightlifting. Um, I'm very blessed to not have that uh, dilemma but yeah. for sure the clock is ticking and so I just gotta do what I can while I have this opportunity
2: yeah I completely agree it's it, especially the family element it really enters in the picture as a female mm-hmm. that once you hit 30 and mm-hmm. it's like And just like there's, yeah, there's other factors like having a career Mm -hmm. and like that really starts to have an impact on like how much you can train and how selfish or whatever you want to call that, like how self-involved you can be.
1: Yeah, and like to be honest, the fact that my career is my hobby is so advantageous right now because if I had to be an attorney or if I had to be in charge of like a large sum of money, I just, I wouldn't have the mental capacity. I wouldn't have the draw or the desire. So I'm set up perfectly for success Which is why I kind of feel like I owe it to myself to take advantage of all the privilege. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and just make it work for me while I have it. And even if I'm not growing a family, I still have to think about, like, my relationship. Like, being married is still a really big part of who I am and and my life. And so trying to be a really good weightlifter and how selfish it is, Mm -hmm. but also be a really good wife, it's just, it's a lot to balance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I mean... The more and more I hear you talk about how you know involved you are in being selfish, which is a great thing to be as an athlete, why did it end up being weightlifting?
1: I've never had anything else. I was not an athlete as a child. I didn't really have anything that I felt like super drawn to. Um, I mean, like academically and intellectually, sure. But I think that being really physically powerful is still a new and sort of like awe-inspiring thing for me. Like to have my body be doing these incredible things, that's still so fresh and I'm still so addicted to that um, that I just like, by by choice, I will not
2: stop anytime mm-hmm. soon. Yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm exactly the same way. It's so new. I was never an athlete as well. It's so new and people often ask like, you know, you don't always look like you're having fun. Like, why do you keep doing it? And it's like, <laughs> there's so much more there than just like having fun. You know, there's something just, I keep digging and I keep finding more lessons to learn and more that the sport is teaching me about life and mm-hmm. about being a human being that I'm just really surprised. It's like, weightlifting <laughs> is the vehicle to understand a lot of things. For and sure. I think the more that you get into that, of course, like we care about numbers, of course, right. we care about competition results, Thanks but. For but that's really what keeps me in it is like, holy shit, there's like, I'm just starting to scratch the surface of like what this has to offer me as a lens to perceive like what I'm doing and like my own, my own self. Hell yeah. Yeah. I just made like a, a post on my Instagram today about
1: everybody. I've heard this sort of regurgitated over and over, which is my mission is to get a barbell in every woman's hands. I've heard so many people yeah. say that, myself included. Um, and I I don't doubt the importance of that. I feel like women come from a background of trauma and oppression and depression and addiction and working with the barbell and having that like (laughs) monotonous grind towards success teaches you so much off the platform, which is like fearlessness, dedication, power, confidence, capability. Um, it's definitely not about weightlifting. I think maybe that's also why we all accidentally fall in love with it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely,
2: definitely. definitely. Um, kind of a little bit along those lines about growth. I'm curious, what do you feel like is a personal belief you've about yourself, that's hurt you the most, and like, how did you overcome that? That's so deep. <laughs> why would you do that to me? <laughs> um,
1: something that I'm still probably struggling with is like worthiness, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to figure out where this comes from. But, like, am I worthy of success? And why is it hard for me to say I'm a good weightlifter? And why is it hard for me to say I want to medal at a national level meet? Is it something that makes me think. I don't deserve to be up there. And actually, I just watched um, a lifter who competed in Peru say that her head got the best of her in the warm-up platforms, and she said that she was looking around at Olympians and she thought she didn't deserve to be here. Mm -hmm. Um, And she had put up a total that obviously got her on the team. She deserved to be there like anybody else. So I feel like this is a pretty ubiquitous issue. People uh, wonder, uh, what am I doing here? Why me? A lot. Um, And so I'm still consistently kind of working with that, working through that.
0: Hmm.
2: the worthiness, that's not coming from anyone else. No one is questioning if we're worthy. We're, we're the ones that, you know, because of the way that we've grown up and, and everything we've been taught, like, we constantly feel like we have to live up to the standard. Mm-hmm. And something I heard recently is, you know, when women get down on themselves, the thing that they always say is, I'm not perfect. Super interesting, because I feel like I don't hear males say that. Hmm. Like, but I hear it from women all the mm. time, and I think it in my head,
1: too. Maybe because the yeah. expectation is that women should be perfect, yeah. and so when that's we right. fail and fall short, that seems like the the overarching failure, mm-hmm. that we haven't reached perfection. Right. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Maybe. I think a lot, um, that reminds me, there's another quote that's kind of going around, and it's um, like, if something goes wrong, blame others. That will give you the same results as if you blame yourself. And the point is, like, you really should be blaming yourself. You really should be looking at yourself for, like, what circumstances could you change? What advantages could you take from different situations? Um, and you kind of like miss the opportunity to grow if you end up blaming other people. Um, I can't remember. He's that, like, internet sensation now who's telling everybody to go on TikTok. That guy, Gary. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Veneer. Yeah. Yeah. He oh, said yeah. something. Yeah. We got to look it up. It yeah. was pretty good. Yeah.
2: Back a little, uh, backwards, rewind a little bit. So, this this sense of needing to live up to that worthiness. Mm-hmm. So, what do you do to deal with it? Like, do you have mental training? Like, what? How do you talk to yourself? Like, so you have this feeling that you're always fighting against. What do you do in the fight? That's a good
1: question. I had Jim, my coach um, from Philadelphia for Barbell Club, tell me like maybe four weeks ago he was like if I have to look you in the eyes and tell you that you're a good weightlifter every single day I can do that and I think he was being sweet and sincere but what it kind of made me realize was like do I really need like a white man telling me that I'm good Mm -hmm. is that like (laughs) what is going to give me validation um I think one thing that's been really helpful is for sure my mental game there's this book I read called um how champions think Mm -hmm. and it kind of um, recommends creating an athlete self. So, like, you have Morgan that's like podcasting right now, uh, and then you have Morgan the athlete, and those can be two totally different people. So, she can be like vicious and rude and take no shit and be really confident. And it's almost easier for me to fake that athlete Morgan than to have that athlete Morgan be the one like walking through the gym all the time. Um, and so, sinking into that role right before I compete has been pretty helpful. Yeah, I
2: think that's that's really accurate in terms of, you know, the, the necessity to be a certain way all the time is actually quite draining. Mm-hmm. But if you're able to understand how to flip that switch on and on mm-hmm. and the right switches, you can really get a lot more out of your own self. That's you exactly know? what it is. Yeah, when do
1: I flip the switch? And then what happens when I flip the switch? Like who comes out when I flip it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's something that I'm still growing. I would say hundred percent that is like what allowed me to do so well at AO3 was the switch turned on and the person that came out was you got this you know exactly what to do you're good enough to be here Um, and then that woman won Mm -hmm. and so now I just have to try and like grow that woman and give that woman a voice and ask her to come out today at six. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: I mean, it's amazing because I know that that's something that I fight from the coaching perspective that I always realize and see that athletes always get in their own way. Mm -hmm. And it's very true. You have who you are and then who you are as an athlete. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, it's as if uh, the person, Morgan, the person tries to either manipulate or. Or or control, and the reality is, you just have to allow your athlete self to be Mm -hmm. who it needs to be Mm -hmm. to be successful.
1: I don't know what it is about, like what defense mechanism is making me doubt my ability. You know, like everything comes down to this fight or flight, paleolithic Mm -hmm. thing. So, like, (laughs) is it that we are protecting ourselves from failure, and that's why the background voice is you've never pulled this before you're not going to make it now right. and then are we like setting ourselves up to be like better prepared for the disappointment um it's well, sort of these like biological hacks that we don't totally. need anymore
0: yeah we don't we don't need them i mean it, the reality is that's what training is right you're always pushing up against your fear and the fear element is that your body doesn't want to die you don't want to fail yeah and that's just it's human that's it's just like this is how we work and function so we're what I love about the sport is you're constantly stepping up into that mm-hmm. all the time, mm-hmm. uh, whether it is weight or whether it is something technical. Mm-hmm. Trying to refine something, you're like fighting that mental demon inside of your head, and you know that it's like this. It's you can't force it. There's this balance to it, and mm-hmm. I think that's well, th-
2: that's one reason we always talk about how much we love competition because it really shines the light. It really exposes you to like those like po- points of mm-hmm. vulnerability. Yeah. Um, to tie it into what we were talking about earlier about you know being in the sport for five years and feeling a little bit of shame about that i would say that the flip of that is that you get to know yourself a lot more after Mm -hmm. five years and that you can really fine-tune and and just continue to fine-tune what does it mean to be the athlete self Mm -hmm. and you just there's a lot more colors in the rainbow Mm -hmm. like you know, you have a much better sense of like when you're reacting a certain way to certain things and like you can continue to like, you know, open that up more and more. Whereas like, I feel like in the beginning, you're like, I don't even know why I did that. But usually like five years in, you're like, okay, like this is a chain reaction that's happening because I started behaving like this in the beginning of the session where this was in my mind. I feel like I've got a much better sense of that five years in, four years in, you know?
1: Yeah, in that same vein, just because I'm so good at devil's advocate, mm-hmm. you could be like, I've been this kind of person for five years, and so I'm working against five years of habit-breaking mm-hmm. and thought-changing and repatterning. You know, for five years, if I haven't... I mean, I don't want to sound like I don't believe in myself, but this is like the doubt that everybody thinks about, right? If for five years I haven't um, been cocky walking mm-hmm. up to the platform, it's
2: harder for me to start now. This is day one of me being cocky, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, a perfect... Metaphor is just like technique, you know? It's like if you've, been, if you've been lifting and doing things a certain way like for five years, like it's really hard to change technique mm-hmm. and it's really hard to kind of uncover that. To be a different person, you have to act a different way. Mm-hmm. You have to act a different way. Mm-hmm. What's your continuing obstacle as a coach and a leader? Blanco, take it away.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's really about you, Morgan, but I will answer this. I think that one of the uh, biggest obstacles is, I mean, honestly, it's like, you know, coaching technique. Yeah, people coming in, getting it done. Yeah, it's really having athletes believe in themselves. That is like absolutely the hardest thing. And it's, you know, I try to be, um, I'm a loving coach. I lead with my heart. Uh, that's where my passion is. Um, I'm not demanding or, you know, rigid. I believe that I'm like water. I need to fit into the vessel and make figure out what works best. But I do draw lines, and I'm very hard. And I'm demanding at the same time because I am putting in the same amount of energy. And so the challenge is that I believe so much in my athletes. I get, I get disappointed, and I, and I get um, disappointed that they don't believe in themselves as much. And so uh, that's my challenge to remember that I am uh, really there to service them, to help them find their journey, find themselves. Mm. And I try my best not to take it personal. I try. And, and sometimes some days are hard. You know, like today, an example is um, Diana, who is uh, a national level lifter in a 55 kilo class. She was supposed to perform with um, a better mindset to just come in and enjoy the process because she's putting a lot of stress on herself because now she's a national level lifter, she's on the world team list, she should be X and she's putting a lot of pressure and that was really frustrating for me to help her just understand is that you just need to enjoy what you're doing and focus on what's right in front of you and she did that but she hurt herself on her snatch and that was really tough, like, I got really angry and frustrated. Because mm. I don't want her to get hurt yeah. and I was really f- frustrated that she lost a lot of hope mm. because she got hurt. Mm-hmm. And so that's been probably the most challenging thing. I just managing my emotions, mm. managing my my passion for how much I want them to be successful.
1: Yeah you sound like an empath. so like when she hurts you hurt and like when she's nervous, you're nervous mm-hmm. and that's a really tough role to play as a coach because you need to be very stoic
2: and very I like the word you you said earlier. You need to be protective. A -hmm. little bit protective of yourself.
1: Yeah, and that's actually that was what I was gonna say is probably my biggest struggle is creating boundaries. Like when I first started coaching I was so in love with the sport. Not that I'm not anymore, but I kind of just like threw myself into everybody's goals and I would be up late programming for them and if somebody wanted extra technique work I would write it for them no problem and if somebody wanted to like come in and train at two o'clock because they couldn't make the 530 session sure I'm gonna be there I'm gonna be training you come Mm. in at two o'clock and then my training session turned into their training session Mm. and all of a sudden I'm giving out programming for free Mm -hmm. and then I'm there on the Saturday oh and then also this Sunday and like before you knew it I was just um, burnt out I didn't Mm -hmm. have time for myself And I added so much to my plate that the expectation was so high Mm -hmm. to be this coach that constantly gives herself and Mm -hmm. does extra and cares so much. And you can text Morgan at seven o'clock on a Friday about your macros. She doesn't care. Mm -hmm. And so it's been for me. 2019 has been the year of like stepping back a little bit, Mm -hmm. creating boundaries, like we said earlier, in an effort to protect myself.
2: You know, I think that's played a um a role in in your success recently yeah. it's probably because you've Maybe. been able to uh create better boundaries you yeah. know because that has a huge impact on your training mm-hmm. yeah
0: and uh, i would mirror that literally she's experiencing the same thing i created a lot more boundaries yes for myself within the last year mm-hmm. and it's dramatically affected Everything from Mm -hmm. the growth of my club and the growth of my athletes, my relationship with my athletes, my marriage, like, all the way across. Yeah. 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 Boundaries are good.
1: (laughs) I think think for some reason, like, for whatever reason, things trend at a certain time. And, like, right now for, like, God knows why, crystals and, like, studying (laughs) Palo Santo and sage (laughs) is so in. But we've definitely hit this, like, resurgence of, like, protecting ourselves and keeping up really healthy boundaries with friends and our professional career and Mm. i see a lot of people around me doing it like Mm -hmm. all around the same time right now yeah Yeah. i think we're just like getting hip to it we're getting hip to like we cannot live this way Mm. we will burn
0: out you will burn out yeah Yeah. and you will not be as impactful
1: Mm -hmm.
0: one example is boundaries with you because kim you know obviously coaching her like i remember uh, we've known each other for a really long time but i think within the last few weeks the boundaries were you're coming in you're lifting, we're not talking. Mm-hmm. And because it perpetuated a lot of this over exertion on like talking about what was wrong, what was right, how does it go? And it's like, forget it. Mm-hmm. Get the job done. Get out of here. I don't want to see you. And, wow. and it's, <laughs> and it's bound, like, and that's a boundary that I probably wouldn't have done because as a coach or as a business owner, I'd be like, oh man, I can't make them feel like, mm-hmm. oh my God, maybe They're I shouldn't. they a paying it's like, client. No. I need
1: to give them what they want. <laughs> right. This I'm has to like, like, no, be the best hour of their day. This is the best thing yeah. I believe yeah. is good for you. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, boundaries are awesome. Yeah. That is interesting. You know, the difference between CrossFit and I think Barbell is we are no longer doing this like assembly line of get 24 people in and out in an hour high energy make this the best hour of their day yeah. with barbell it's like you know, you've actually you've committed to learning the sport and that yeah. means that i'm in charge and you're not paying me for a good time anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you're paying me for like, what I know. And uh, yeah. it's a good thing that a lot of people, I think my club has gotten really good at adapting to my coaching style, mm. which is very straightforward, very mechanical. Um, and, like, not harsh, but I would say emotionless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like, I'll be very happy and excited and screaming for PRs, but if you don't make a lift, sometimes you know why you didn't make a lift. That's, you don't need me there to tell you right. every single thing that you've done wrong. That That's gets true. redundant. But it is.
0: It's, I think it also came from the, the CrossFit world. It's like we were overcoaching people, mm-hmm. constantly over and overcoaching. And it's like they need to work on one thing. They need to work on it for a period of time, mm-hmm. have awareness, and mm-hmm. then you need to come in and tell them, you need to be here. I need to be there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a whole different ballgame.
1: Yeah, I, that's why I love actually coaching CrossFit classes. When I come down out of the barbell club and I'm down there with people that are just like yeah. so green, mm. you don't have to tell them anything. You could just be like, "Hey, try to keep your eyes up," and they just like PR by Boom. 15 pounds. <laughs> I'm the best coach I am ever. Amazing. Yeah. And then meanwhile, I've been trying to get somebody to pull with their elbows for like the last eight freaking years. Yeah. So yeah,
2: yeah. I'm curious, what do you think is your greatest failure? Like, the failure that, that taught you the most? <laughs> hmm. That, like, maybe changed your trajectory a little bit? Or
0: that is so mm. good. I just <laughs> went through my whole life right now.
2: Yeah. <laughs> are, are you liking these questions? Yeah, Did I get, like, yeah. to the point? You, you. Yeah, that's a good one.
1: I actually, um I have thought about this on my own because yeah. I'm a Virgo and I like to, like, be very analytical about mm-hmm. failures. Um, I think it was AO one two years ago when I was with Garage Strength, mm-hmm. and I didn't make a single clean and jerk. And I was prepared for the meet. I had one of the best training cycles leading up to it. I had a lot of people, like, backing me up, excited to see how I was going to do, messaging me from afar. What I felt was really looking up to me to, like, put up big numbers, which, again, that's just perceived pressure. That doesn't come from anybody but myself. Um, And I bombed out. I have no idea what happened. I think I got, like... The bar was on my windpipe in between the clean and jerk for every single attempt Mm. and I just saw black and I couldn't get my bearings and I couldn't make a single jerk and I remember coming off the platform and just being like everything was perfect. I didn't have a hard cut. I had an awesome training cycle. Hmm. Um, I was in a great mood like I couldn't have asked for anything better and I still didn't do well. And I think when I accepted the chaotic nature of weightlifting, which is like, you are so not in control. uh, I think that's when I was like, you're just, you're just kind of like a passive victim to the sport. Mm -hmm. It's either your day or it's not. Yeah. Yeah. That definitely changed me. I think that made me feel better about not performing well. Mm -hmm. You know, that didn't make me feel like I'm never going to miss another clean and jerk again. Or like, I can't even remember what the numbers were. It's not like 96 is my arch nemesis. Mm -hmm. It was more like be okay with not doing well because you will not do well many more times in the future. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so learning to get resilient and rebounding from who knows what went wrong. That's made me feel like I've got more longevity in the sport. Even Mm -hmm. today. I mean, God forbid I bomb out. It'll just be a meet. It'll just be another meet, another day.
0: Yeah, I think
2: what that taught you, even your language in telling that story changed. Like you felt like a passive victim, Mm -hmm. but then you, you realize like resilience has to come from that. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's what bomb outs always teach us is that like we have to understand the points of ownership Mm -hmm. in in the experience Mm -hmm. because they're they're always available to us, and it's important to not let our emotions of feeling like a victim to the circumstances Mm -hmm. overwhelm our ability to take ownership and responsibility for the things that we can do. Mm -hmm.
1: And I think that in that situation specifically, it was really accelerated because nothing went wrong. Like I said, Mm -hmm. like I had a couple people and this is the worst thing is when you don't do well in a meet, let me just PSA. Don't go up to your friend and be like, What happened? Yeah. Because the answer is fucking nothing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and like sometimes yeah. that's just how it goes. Yeah,
0: totally. And so
1: I think because nothing happened, I had nothing to blame. <laughs> I had no straws to grasp mm-hmm. at. I really just had to look at myself and be like, Accept you it. You did that. Yeah. 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 It.
2: yeah. So something I was curious about is especially knowing like how long you've been in the sport and now that you're, you're coming up and, and you're really starting to get to know yourself better and becoming like not just na- nationally ranked but like competitive and like you've won some medals recently, how do you balance a distance between what you see as your potential and where you are in the process?
1: Yeah, that's, um, that is
2: a really good question. Blanco, are you, like,
1: fighting the urge to cue some of the athletes uh, on the platform?
0: I, uh, yeah, I'm looking. I'm well, just, you know, luckily, there's not your athlete. So, so that one know. guy just
1: needs to pull back a little yeah, bit more. Just a little bit more. Um, yeah, no, I was actually just talking to uh, a couple people about this today. Is like, when do you know that you're done, right? Because, like, my goals initially were I want to be in the A session on a national platform. And then it was to medal. Mm-hmm. And then it was to win. Mm-hmm. Um and then accidentally I keep hitting all my goals and I don't know like what to do after this, you know. So I put in for an international meet um in Malta for 2020 and if I make that team that's the highest that I've ever dreamt is yeah. to compete for team USA internationally. Like I don't have a brain past that. Mm-hmm. And I think that honestly that's a really good thing because I don't know how far to dream i don't mm-hmm. know how long this is and i think if this was like a five or a six year long process i think that would be really hard for me to deal with mm-hmm. it, to look at that and say i gotta be weighing and measuring my feet for five more fucking years you know <laughs> i think just taking baby goals and mm-hmm. like letting that be what gets me closer and closer helps me pass the time mm-hmm. um i also don't know I don't know what I would do if I stopped weightlifting. It would be an extra 15 to 20 hours a week. Like, what would I do? Jog? I have no idea. And it's also such a big part of my identity. It's so much of, like, my spiritual belief. It's so Mm -hmm. much like being a woman in the weightlifting world. It is very much wrapped up in my identity. So um, it's really easy for me to stay committed because it's just... It feels like it's in my blood at this point. That's awesome.
2: This ability to kind of really be open about the goals you're achieving it Mm -hmm. sounds like that's such a big part of it is like not having those like high pressure Mm self-expectations you know Mm -hmm. i think that has a huge impact on how we do on a competition day on like in the whole process of training Mm -hmm. because that really weighs us down Mm -hmm. it really weighs down like how we can do because it's really about the day-to-day and, and like really getting better at those little small nuances that happen every day. For sure. Yep. Yeah.
1: I mean, I just did a meet um, before AO3 and my expectation was that we were going to go into it and have a good time. We were just mm. going to have fun. And then I think it was like two days prior and Jim was like, no, we need to hit one something, something. Mm. And I bombed out. Oh. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> just the idea of it yeah. being yeah. really important it turned me into somebody really different. And so, Mm. yeah, expectations for me are my worst enemy. Um, I think that was another thing that was kind of good about AO3 is like up until a couple days beforehand, I thought that I got the rules wrong about being in the doping pool. And so I didn't think that this would even make me eligible for an international team. And I think it was like the day before that Jim was like, no, this meet matters. And 24 hours wasn't enough to derail all of my training, as it turns out, so...
2: Yeah, expectations are the worst. To bring that back to you Blanco. Yeah. I think that's something you're trying to deal with and figure out as a coach, right? It's like all of a sudden we've got Diana and now she's the expectations from herself have become really high. How do you how do you guide that in the right way? You know, like yeah. how do you how do you learn how, how does she figure that out it's it's really hard for her to figure that out because or like for you to give that to her because she has to go through it herself yeah, right? She, yeah she she
0: does every athlete needs yeah. to have their journey and some of that journey isn't going to be pretty yeah. uh, mm-hmm. like any high level athlete uh, any, anyone's journey in weightlifting and so i think that the the challenge uh of kind of reminding her that she's already talented she's mm-hmm. already good um And just kind of bringing her back there and focusing on what she needs to be doing right in front of her. One example is at Youth Nationals, one of the reasons she was so highly successful um, going into a new weight class was that she didn't know anything. She didn't know who she was competing against. She knew nothing. She just knew we were there to do a specific goal Mm -hmm. and really enjoy that process of competing and uh, ever since that time now the expectations are like well she's the best you know in the country and she has numbers capable of breaking records and so she's putting all of this pressure on top of herself And, and that has been a really big challenge for a young for having a young athlete who's super talented and you see them creating that chaos it's been it's been a challenge to juggle luckily she has an amazing mother uh who I've learned now when you are coaching youth athletes, you need an advocate. You need the parents because I can't be with her all the time. Mm-hmm. And I need to know that there's someone else also looking from the other side, helping mm-hmm. out. So, I mean, it's definitely a challenge. I'm still learning the process. I'm still, I even ask other coaches, like, what would you do in a situation? Um, because I just, I just want to make the right choice for her to grow. Mm-hmm. Okay,
1: cool. Yeah, do you have any, like, recommended reading that you could offer her? Like, here's something that's really helpful for developing the athlete self?
0: Um, Yeah, I mean, at this time, I have been kind of looking into reading myself. Mm -hmm. Like, I've been looking into, like, what kind of reading uh, we could be doing. But, I mean, do you know of anything that I should offer someone.
1: Oh, I've actually, yeah, I've read like a million books, so I can send you um, a oh, couple love. that I really helped. That. Yeah. And also, like, at what point do you look into a sports coach? I remember right. at AO mm-hmm. Finals, they did like a... Um, a seminar on sports psychology. Um, and they just talked a little bit about how, I don't know, in the seventies, somebody said that it was impossible to run like a sub six minute mile. The first man who believed that he could did it. And after that, it was like half a dozen people ran a sub six minute mile. So it's like knowing what's possible, the psychology of like an athlete brain. Um, there's a lot of books out there about that.
2: Awesome. So, Morgan, what do you feel like is your biggest challenge right now as an athlete? Yeah, or maybe even as a coach, if, if you feel like there's something We're else. Definitely I have like more of an athlete thing yeah. we,
1: yeah, to talk from. Um, I think a couple of things. One is still always working on self-worth and believing that I'm good enough and that I'm a good lifter. Um, but I'm also like in this weird place where I'm like just tipping on the edge of good and really really good Mm -hmm. Hmm. and so I don't know at what point I'm supposed to take it more seriously than I already Mm -hmm. am you know like I'm already doing a lot um, for my own training is there a point where I'm supposed to like take a sabbatical from work and really see what I can do is there a point where I make sure I get body work done once a week is there a point where I find a sports psychologist you know like there's a really interesting threshold that you cross from Mm -hmm. good to elite and nobody really tells you when it's time to do that Mm -hmm. or if you should. Mm -hmm. Um, And so kind of like weighing out, like what more could I do right now and what more do I have left to give with my current level Mm -hmm. of responsibilities and my relationships and things like that. Um, And so I feel like I'm in this weird tipping point. I'm like literally just on
2: the fence And I don't know which way I'm going to fall. I think that's a perfect way to end because it's, it's, it is completely up to you. You know, there are no rules. There are no rules. And there's, there's no one to really guide you. You know, you have to figure it out and like make mistakes and like, and learn and learn if that is right or wrong for you. And I think like, no one can give you that answer, which is, that's the answer that I, (laughs) answer that I always know, like is the answer to all my questions is like, no one really knows. Like mm-hmm. like people can guide you, but it's it's up to you and and it's okay if you fail. Mm-hmm. And it's okay if you do something that you didn't the result isn't what you wanted. Because mm-hmm. you can always you can always go back, you know. And 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 that's that's what I tell myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that seems to be like the overarching message
1: is like no external factor is gonna make you feel ready or good or done. Mm-hmm. That yes. will always just come from yourself. Yep. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, Morgan, thank you so much. I so much, yes. uh, really appreciate it. I'm so excited that we had you on, and I'm just looking forward to seeing what the next few years looks like for you.
1: Thank yes. you. I appreciate you both. Um, it was very fun, and I'm going to go weigh in Yeah. Now.
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Okay. laughs> Good luck today.
2: Uh, thanks so much, guys, for listening. Hopefully the noises of our competition aren't too distracting. Please find us at offtheplatform.net, and all of us are on Instagram, so I'm kim.elliotfung.
0: I'm uh, at Coach Blanco.
2: And I'm at Morgan Vaz, V-O-Z. And I'll put everything in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.